0: No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible,
1: the through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we'll see that after the Golden Calf incident, the Lord tells the people to go to Egypt, but he won't go with them lest he destroy them, so the people mourn. We hope you'll join us now as Pastor Daryl continues in Exodus chapter 33 on Simply the Bible.
0: As a father, often the best times were after I had to discipline one of my children. There was a kind of reality check, and my child knew that I loved him or her enough to mark the boundaries and enforce them. Often, in that aftermath, there were sweet times of renewed fellowship. The Lord had to discipline His children, the children of Israel. By making a golden calf and worshiping it, they had violated His covenant. At Moses' command, three thousand men died by the edge of the sword, and then God plagued the people. The revelry that had seemed so pleasurable to them at the time had ended in severe pain. And that is always the way of sin. But now that God's wrath had subsided, there was opportunity for restored fellowship. However, complete reconciliation would not be easy. We pick it up in Exodus chapter 33. Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. And I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. I love the fact that after their great offense and even spiritual adultery for That's how God looked at it. The Lord was quick to set them back on a course toward the destination of the promised land. When we veer off course and later repent, God is quick to set a new course according to his tender mercies. There did, however, seem to be a kind of ping pong match going on between the Lord and Moses. The Lord said that Israel was Moses' people, but Moses said they were the Lord's people. And they went back and forth, each passing ownership to the other. But God was determined to fulfill his promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and bring their descendants into the land of Canaan. He would send his angel before them, but he would not himself go with them, for they were stiff-necked, and he might destroy them along the way. In a sense, this had been kind of a divine experiment to see how close the Lord could be to sinful mankind, He who is called holy, holy, holy in heaven. But God determined that for their own safety, He should take a step back because His wrath could break out against them in a moment over their rebellious ways. Some people see God withdrawing His presence from them as punishment, but I see it really as mercy and protection. Verse 4, And when the people heard this bad news, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. I could come up into your midst in one moment and consume you. Now therefore take off your ornaments, that I may know what to do with you. So the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb. The people saw this as really bad news. They realized how special they were that God chose them from all nations on earth and revealed himself to them in such marvelous ways as no pagan god had ever done. Sadly, as humans, we so often take things for granted. We don't know what we have until we lose it. Now, it is interesting that the Lord told them to take off their ornaments. These were the accessories that they used to adorn themselves. But in a sense, they represent vanity. God wanted them to humble themselves. When we are stiff-necked, we invite God's discipline, for God resists the proud. But when we strip ourselves of our vain glory and humble ourselves beneath His mighty hand, Then he gives grace to the humble. By placing them in this position of humility, it would help the Lord to show them the mercy that triumphs over judgment, even while he determined what he was going to do. There would be times as a father when I came home from work and my wife shared with me how one of our kids had misbehaved that day. My initial reaction was anger but I didn't want to say something rashly that I would regret. Like, you're grounded for a year, you know. So I sent them to their room while I determined what I would do. They later confessed to me that this waiting was the hardest part because the entire time they dreaded what was going to happen next. In retrospect, I think perhaps this was the best discipline of all. Verse 7, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp Far from the camp, and called it the Tabernacle of Meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the Tabernacle of Meeting, which was outside the camp. Now, this was not the Tabernacle, but a temporary tent that Moses set up outside the camp, so that anybody who wanted to seek the Lord could go and meet with God. God had said that he would not remain with them in the midst of the camp, so perhaps this was why Moses pitched a tent outside the camp. Or perhaps he thought it best not to return to Mount Sinai because when the people lost sight of him, that's when they made the golden calf. Whatever the reason, there is a picture here of how we must also seek the Lord. The author of Hebrews points out that Jesus suffered outside the camp on Golgotha, and we must also go to him outside the camp. Now, the context is that we must leave Judaism to seek Christ. But there is a universal principle that if we would seek the Lord, we must move away from the crowd. In Second Corinthians six seventeen, we are told, Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. There is a balance between being holy by coming out of the world and still being gracious towards sinners. Some people are separatists, but they are not gracious to people in the world. Others are sympathetic to sinners, but they don't come out to be holy, and therefore they are virtually indistinguishable from the world. Jesus kept the balance. He was holy and gracious. He was a friend of the sinners who felt comfortable around him. But he also called them to faith and repentance. May God help us to find and maintain the balance between holiness and graciousness. Verse 8. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. Whether we stand in the presence of the elderly, or when meeting someone new, or when a woman comes to the table, standing is a sign of respect. Therefore, even though there is no record of anyone coming to the tent of meeting besides Joshua, the people rose out of respect at the door of their own tents whenever they saw Moses going to the tent to meet with the Lord. We must never lose sight of the fact that there are people who don't go to church themselves, but who nevertheless respect those who do. Our job is to find them and to take them by the hand and lead them to worship the God that we love. Verse 9, And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle, that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. God marked that he was still with Moses and the children of Israel by the cloudy pillar descending and remaining at the door of the tent. When the people saw the pillar, they rose and worshipped. Our worship of the Lord can inspire others, especially when they see the evidences of God's blessing on our lives. Verse 11, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. That is amazing. But what does it mean? We must compare Scripture with Scripture. The Apostle John tells us in John one eighteen, No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared him. We will see that later in this chapter, Moses asks the Lord, Please show me your glory. But the Lord responds, You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. Therefore, what does it mean that the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend? It could simply mean that the Lord spoke to him clearly just as a man would speak face to face with his friend but not that Moses beheld the face of God. On the other hand, J. Vernon McGee believes that Moses met with Jesus, for according to John, no one has seen God, but the only begotten Son has declared him. It is interesting that later when Miriam and Aaron speak against Moses, God declares to them in Numbers 12.6, Hear now my words, if there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream, not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly, and not in dark sayings, and he sees the form of the Lord. So however the Lord met with Moses, one thing is for sure, God had a unique relationship with him where Moses heard the voice of God clearly probably in an audible voice, as though your friend was talking with you face to face. We may never experience that kind of direct communication with God while we are in these bodies. However, we can choose to seek the Lord and meet with Him whenever we choose. We have been brought near through faith in Jesus Christ. I have never heard God speak in an audible voice, but I do sense that He gives me impressions as I meditate on His Word and wait upon him. J. Oswald Sanders said, every one of us is as close to God as he is chosen to be. Verse 11, And Moses would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Joshua loved to linger at the tent of meeting. Look for those who love to hang out at church. They may be our next spiritual leaders. And if you love to meet with the Lord then you may be the next one God uses. There is no better qualification for serving the Lord than sitting at His feet and listening to what He says. You've been listening
1: to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. They meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at Pepperidge Elementary School in Boise. Also, to listen to any of Pastor Daryl's teachings or to find out more about the church, go to their website at calvarytv.org. We'd really love to hear from you. You can also text WELCOME to 208-314-3377, that's 208-314-3377. Tomorrow we'll see how Moses entreats the Lord to go with them to the promised land. The Lord agrees and promises to give him rest. It's a great lesson in how to prevail in prayer with God. We hope you'll join us as we continue in Exodus on Simply the Bible.